Welcome to the Lee Sloan Podcast. I believe that ideas and conversations have consequences, consequences that impact generations to come. Thanks for joining me today. Together, let's be brave enough to think, brave enough to feel, brave enough to change the world, one brave conversation at a time. Hello, and thank you for joining us for this seventh and final episode in the first season of the Lee Sloan podcast. I'm so appreciative that you have joined me on this journey. If you've lasted this far, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I would love to get to connect with you. I hope that you'll connect with me on LeeSloan.com. Um, I just wanted to kind of wrap up some of our thoughts. We have been all over the board this season, um, just bringing up some really big topics. And as we were unpacking it, I think we realized, you know, this is going to take a while to unpack. So I'm not going anywhere. We're going to do another season here pretty soon. But I wanted to just leave you with a thought that I had. Actually, I wrote this in a blog. Uh, you can look at, at my blog at leaseloan.com. Uh, but I'm going to kind of describe to you something that I've been learning along the way. Now, a lot of our conversations have been focused a little bit more around the cultural side of maybe politics or, or whatever we're discussing. And so we're, we've been dealing a lot with some of the softer, um, more cultural side of politics. But, you know, it does cross the line a lot of times into government, right? And so I kind of see these things um, as as two sides of, a diff- of the same coin. We have the the government is involved in you know the activation and and the enforcement of our laws and the culture is sort of this other governing force it's this kind of soft governing force that's not really an official thing but it is also very very powerful and i would argue that it's even more powerful than the strength of our elected officials and there's so many times that we want our government to reflect this cultural thing, this art of what we're creating with our lives. We want our government to look and act like us and talk like us and basically be a mirror image of ourselves and our own values. But the problem is now that our society is becoming more and more diverse, it's getting harder and harder to agree upon whose values our government is going to reflect. Our government was never really meant to do it all. It wasn't meant to take the place of culture or to um, prop up culture or be culture in and of itself. We actually have a responsibility to cultivate our own culture, to be a culture unto ourselves. And so as I see it, we have two sides of the coin in society. We have the governmental side, which is sort of the hard side of our culture. And then we have the other softer side of our culture, which is also very, very important for us to cultivate. But a lot of times we don't take seriously enough the softer side of our culture. And if we don't consider the cultural impact that we're making on that softer side, we're going to lose a lot of the ground that we have taken over the last several hundred years in our society. Now, today I want to talk about three different types of, I guess you could call them coping mechanisms, if you will, or or ways that we deal with the cultural conflict in our society. 
we all have different personalities, so we we might use these tactics more often than not, or sometimes we might pick up one tactic in one setting and pick up another in a different setting. All these methods are valuable at one point or another. Um, however, I think that we pick up one or two of these different tactics more than we do the last one that I'm going to talk about. So, so first off, I want to I want to acknowledge here something that. Uh, we all struggle with, which is that it's really, really hard in our information age to keep up with everything that possibly is going on in our world. I think a lot of us, me included, are kind of getting overwhelmed um, and getting maybe tired of (laughs) having to be mad about something, right? I mean, we're always, there's always somebody mad about something and and so it's kind of gets exhausting over time and we we get sort of this fatigue about it that we are expected to care about everything and to engage about everything and so there's a lot of normal people walking around just trying to live their lives just trying to do their jobs and and mind their own business to get on with living a mostly peaceful life in this crazy world. And so these are the people that I call white-gloved citizens. They really, the last thing they want to do is get into an argument and risk hurting someone else's feelings. And this is this is awfully altruistic of them. I mean, seeing all that's happening around us can put us on overload, and it seems like the last thing we need to be doing is talking about these things and stirring them up. And that is actually a really good tactic a lot of times, right? I mean, we should sometimes let things lie. Um, And, you know, when we hear the passionate pleas of this person or that person, we just are like, okay, just can you just, maybe I should just delete this person from my Facebook because I just can't handle it anymore. And so this, this whole white glove strategy is a strategy, right? Now we have the other side of the spectrum here. And for, for these people, politics and getting in the game and getting excited about it, I mean, this can be a little bit addictive. And maybe it's just, you know, it's this passion inside of these people, and I call them the people that pull out their boxing gloves, the block, boxing glove citizens. So you're the ones who are getting involved. You're, you consider it your duty to uncover the bad guys, and you're going to fight for what's right, what you feel like is right. And you're going to post it. You're going, you're going to share it. You're very active. And, um, you know, you identify with the significance of what you're doing because we are in a battle. And there is truth to that. We feel the triumph and defeat of this. We're in the game. And even if you might feel fatigued at times, you think, hey, you know what? I cannot give up because this is my fight, right? You feel that conviction. And sometimes it's a really good thing to care that much about something. And so, you know, maybe you you have a reputation for being a little more woke than the rest of us, a little more alive, a little more, have a little more conviction. And, you know, people get in politics for different reasons. There's good mixed in with the bad and not always in very equal portions. And politics is messy. It's going to be messy because it involves people. And so, you know, a lot of these people will will not, you know, hold any punches. They will tell it like it is. And we have a lot of people pontificating uh, that they get popular this way by just going out and smashing the other side, right? <laughs> you know this because it's all around us. 
Now, you may lean more toward maybe the white glove approach or the boxing glove approach. And it may be, you know, maybe it has to do with your station in society, you know, whether you can say what you want to say and all of that kind of stuff. I get that. Now, I want to give kudos to the white glove people who choose to stay out of politics. What the principle that they really understand and have grasped a hold of is that government isn't everything. They get this. They know that, you know, if we make government and all these issues the focus of our lives, um, we can get carried off in a direction that we don't need to go. We might lose relationships that we don't need to lose. And there is something to the rest of life, right? It's important, but it can't be everything. And these people know that their families matter a lot, that their churches and schools and communities matter. They can make a difference at their jobs and right where they live. And I think that these type of people make up the vast majority of people. They're trying to make the best of their lives the best they know how. In our Constitution, it spells out exactly what the government exists for and what it should not do. And then we have this thing called the Bill of Rights that outlines the freedom of our individuals that that are in our society and who they should protect and why. And so we know also that we have three different branches of government that are supposed to stay in their lane and do their best to make sure that government keeps doing what it's supposed to do, do so that the people can do what they're supposed to do. So our government is a government that is by the people and of the people and for the people. But the government doesn't replace the people. The, the government doesn't equal the people. And so as we talk about this, we realize there is that softer side of culture that is very, very important. So this brings me to a third glove type person. And I would call this the green glove person. This is, this is the person that gets involved in what I call cultural cultivating. You know, a lot of different institutions participate with us as individuals in the cultivating our culture. We have arts and entertainment, media, education, business, religion. All of these enterprises are slowly and carefully and steadily, but every day, day by day, they're shaping and molding our culture. And so each and every one of us, everything that we do in our daily lives, from minute to minute, cultivate something within the culture. Every dollar we spend promotes or de-promotes, <laughs> uh, de-emphasizes a different cause. Every click on a website or like on social media is like a chisel exposing the cultural edifice that we are creating together. And I think we all want to cultivate culture but the question comes as to whether we're really cultivating it or whether we're just going with the flow and not touching our culture. Is our, is our voice really heard in the places that we work and live and basically exist? Are we really being honest? Are we coming to the table with everything we have or are we leaving a piece of us to the side? Um, you know, in Hollywood, there have been a lot of, um, as we know, Hollywood is mostly liberal. And so there have been a group of conservative people in Hollywood that have felt like in the past that they couldn't really voice their opinions or else they might lose their jobs, right? And now there's been a group forming that 
is more and more vocal all the time concerning um, their views politically. And so um, I think it's really this careful dance of, okay, where do I have uh, some authority? Where do I have some favor? Where can I actually lean into my culture and where can I speak in and change it? Um, When I was in education, for example, I was super frustrated with the public educational system. I thought this doesn't serve children as well as I know it could. There there were all kinds of uh, big forces that were bigger than me that really um, I wanted to impact. But I but I had to stop and think about, was I going to impact that within the, within the school system or was I going to create something new uh, that would impact it from a different angle? You know, and I consider some biblical examples of this. I look at people in the Bible like like Esther and her uncle Mordecai and how they each kind of had roles, different roles in their society. Um, as you might know, Esther became the queen in a, a government that was not like ours, very uh, just a very uh, totalitarian um, you know, regime that she was under. And she was basically a slave, but she was called the queen. And um, but she was forced to be the queen, so you know that was a an interesting situation there. But um, but she had a measure of influence, and uh, as as you might know from the story, the Jews were about there was a plot against them, and they were about to be completely decimated. And um, her uncle Mordecai is in the streets and he is doing his job, okay? He's like the spokesperson and he is, he's weeping and mourning and protesting what is about to go down. Well, she's in the palace and she's saying, okay, get it together. I don't, basically thinking, I don't want you killed. Like you can't be, you can't be demonstrating like this. But but he's like, hey, this is serious. We are going to get involved. Um, if we don't get involved, we're going to die, basically. And so, you know, this is politics. This is real life politics. And but she has her different position, right? And and from her vantage point, she can't just go out in the street wailing, but she has to think of a plan and she has to think of how the best way is that she could use her influence. And so she has people praying for her and she's praying herself and she develops a strategy, a step-by-step strategy and it ends up Um, that it works, but she has to completely rely on God. And I think the key to all of this is whether or not we feel the responsibility to take action and cultivate our own culture in the places that we've already been placed. Um, You know, Esther could have said, there is nothing I can do. She could have put her white glove on and said, hey, you know what? I have to just stand by my man over here and not ask anything of him because that is the law. I cannot go against the law by coming into his presence when I know good and well I'm going to be breaking the law by by entering his presence without a request. She could have done that. She also could have gotten really mad and just stormed in and tried to take the bull by the horns and found herself dead on the on the other side of that decision. So, you know, um, a lot of times when we look at, at the problems around us that need to be solved, we automatically, either we wring our hands and say, there's nothing we can do, this is just too big, or we look to the government to fix it, um, 
or we can say, hey, you need to, you need to get your act together. Um, but we don't really think about the ways that we as citizens can actually cultivate our culture and, and partner with our government, but not expect our government to do everything for us. There is a role that each and every one of us has in our society. And I think it's time we really look at ourselves and say, what can I do for the betterment of my culture? If you really feel like we're in a cultural crisis or on the precipice of one, it's time to get in the game in some way, shape, or form, whether you're Mordecai, whether you're Esther, or somewhere in between. You know, many of us in our daily conversations, we are somewhat avoidant, I think. Um, It's really easy to be avoidant and to become maybe a keyboard warrior, but not to be very brave in our face-to-face conversations. Um, But I think this is really hurting us as a whole because we have sort of lost the art of disagreeing well. Um, and, And that's why I really wanted to provoke these conversations. I want them to actually ideally happen at the dinner table or at the very least on a FaceTime chat or, you know, instant messenger chat um, to where you are actually interacting with a real human being, someone that you know, that you can see their reaction. Um, I think this is really important for the development of our culture because when our when our founders started this country, they they assumed a lot of things. They assumed that we were going to have some intelligent conversations um, based in tolerance and um, reason, things like this. And I think a lot of that has disintegrated because of the way that we communicate these days. Because we're we're on our keyboards, we're not seeing people's reaction. We're not having to live side by side with people, um, and experience the results of the things that we say. And so this can be a real, real challenge for how to communicate and bring unity to our culture. And so this is what I'm trying to do here in Anchorage. We're meeting monthly and we are trying to practice disagreeing and disagreeing to someone's face, not just behind a keyboard, and disagreeing without resorting to name-calling and without, um, you know, just taking cheap shots, but actually really listening. And, you know, we're not even communicating to win. We're communicating to find out the truth, (laughs) the truth, and to come to some sort of uh, common ground, right? Because, see, our government needs a people and and really requires a people that are going to think, (laughs) a people that are going to ask good questions and be able to model quality conversations. And so in the future, I want to talk a lot more about some of the strategies that we're going to use, some of the, the culture that we can start shifting and creating, you know, not applauding people that are just tearing other people down just because you agree with them. Don't applaud with the insults that they're throwing just because you secretly kind of like it. (laughs) Um, We actually need to raise the bar of our conversation. We actually need to raise the intellectual level of our conversations. Um, This is going to be no easy feat because the media is falling prey to it, but we as a society don't have to fall prey to it. We can actually be that shift and we can we can do it by voting with our clicks with our views 
um, not sharing things on social media that, you know, maybe are provocative, but um, don't help our culture move toward better understanding. It's really interesting that in a way, I think things have gotten quieter. We've started talking less, you know, we're on our, on our phones when we're sitting side by side next to each other. And in a way that seems like peace, right? It seems like we're getting along. It seems like there's no conflict. There's no, nothing ruffling our feathers, but that's a false sense of peace. And it's something that we're comfortable with because we don't have, we don't have to do the hard work. We don't have to be brave in those scenarios. We can just talk about the weather or whatever it is that we agree upon, or we can just surround ourselves with yes, men and women and, and people that agree with us, right? Um, echo chambers, if you will. Uh, and our society, it, it feeds us these echo chambers, but if we can just really stop and go, Hey, like, am I being completely honest with the person that's sitting in front of me? Why am I hiding behind my phone? Why am I, um, going to argue with someone over here or talk about someone over here, but not just really get in there and deal with it face to face? I've actually heard of people who, when someone comments a negative, you know, kind of trollish comment on their, uh, you know, feed or whatever, they actually call the person and try to have a face-to-face conversation. And it's amazing what happens when that person actually responds. And they'll ask them, hey, why'd you write that? What, what were you thinking? And the person's like, hey, you know, I just wasn't really thinking. I was like just in the moment and didn't think much about your feelings. I kind of forgot you were a person. <laughs> and uh, and the person's like, hey, that's really not cool. And I'd appreciate, you know, what? let's talk about the real issues. And then there was a real conversation that unfolded on the other end. That would be amazing if we all started doing things more like this. See, these kinds of activities actually promote true peace. But the ironic thing is, and that maybe the, maybe the thing that goes against our intuition is that in order to get peace, we actually have to move toward more conflict, not less. And so I think a lot of times, you know, the white, the people with their white gloves on think, okay, I'm avoiding things for a reason because I'm trying, I'm keeping the peace, but peacekeeping is not the same thing as peacemaking. Uh, peacekeeping can shove it under the rug and it's, but it's still there, Right. And maybe even there to a worse degree than we even think. Maybe we create something in our own minds that's worse than it really is. But when we can say, hey, like, let's come together and I really want to hear you and I I believe you have my best interest at heart. I want to understand you, okay? So help me understand you. And maybe you can understand me a little bit more too. That when we can come to the table that way, and you know, there may be some messy times where they're going to say stuff that doesn't sound very nice. But if we can come to it with like, okay, you know what? That wasn't very cool the way you said that, but I'm going to bypass it. And I want to ask you, what, what did you mean? Really? What's your argument? Not, you know, how you just insulted me. Okay. So I just think we need to get a little bit tougher and we need to lean into the conflict in order to have more peace in our society. It's crazy how we're really great at psychology and analyzing all of our little quirks and things and how we need to treat our significant other and all this stuff. But 
but we just are so far from mastering the art of how to treat our fellow human that disagrees with us. And so that's really the goal of this whole thing, this podcast and the brave conversations that we're having here locally, and maybe some of them that we'll be doing online, is just to help you do that, to help even model that, even if you just want to watch a conversation. I'm going to try my best to get some people on here where we can disagree and we can model a healthy way to do that, but it's still a messy way, right? It's always going to be messy because it's having to do with people. But um, I just really encourage you to move forward a little bit. If you're somebody who tends to back off, be a little bit more brave. Say the thing you think a little more often, just a little bit. And if you're the person who is ramrodding your opinion down other people's throats, maybe stop and listen, ask more questions. Um, Don't, you know, you're, you're likely just as much afraid as the person who backs off. You're just showing it in a different way. So maybe uh, just be secure enough in your own opinion that the, that person's view is not going to most likely kill you, (laughs) that that person's view um, has, you know, it has a root, it has an origin. And so just be curious about that. Anyway, I hope that uh, we can make a dent in this. I think there are a lot of other people around the nation and even the world that are thinking about the ramifications of this. Like, if we don't start talking as an, as a worldwide family, um, we might have a mess on our hands. And and our and our culture really needs us to start engaging and start um, taking our heads out of the sand and having brave conversations. So I'm going to be thinking about. The next season that we're going to be offering you, trying to get some new guests on here. And I appreciate your prayers. I appreciate your likes and your sharing this podcast with other friends, maybe it being a conversation starter for you and some of your friends. Don't forget to rate me on iTunes and let me know what you think. I will read it for sure. See you in the next season.